0: everybody welcome back to the punk till i die podcast episode number 200 something i don't know we quit keeping track uh <laughs> that's
1: professional that's great I, of course
0: it's tom that's neil telling me i'm unprofessional yes of course you can reach us always. at you can reach us at punk till i die 77 at gmail or you can reach out to us on facebook instagram all these things i don't want to waste very much time with all this nonsense today because we have a a guest with us today that neil and i are both real excited about both of us being huge fans of that sort of early 80s-era punk rock. The, the, we have the singer-slash-guitar player of a band that's celebrating their, I think, 40th anniversary this year, or at least they're sort of taking a victory lap to celebrate the 40th anniversary. We have Mike McGran from Channel 3. How you doing, Mike? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, we're good, thanks. It, thanks. It's
2: actually uh, 42 years, if you can believe that. But Okay, uh, we so were were making of
0: it like easy number to remember. Kind of
2: postponed because of... Uh, covid uh, yes and also because your buddy mark Rady was so goddamn busy at the printing fuss <laughs> that we couldn't get uh, those records out for a year <laughs> you know
0: well i saw you got the you got the new double lp out which really covers like the, your whole career right yeah and you know, uh, so a, did did mark press that for you at cascade oh he sure did okay because it was on our it's on go, hosting, go-to right? guy um yeah
2: um Originally, you know, we worked with TKO back when he was just the store. Um, yeah. He he released a record of our early demo stuff, and then once he went over to Cascade, uh, TKO was kind of a bare bones record label. But we put up the put out the put 'em up record, and he printed that, and we put that out on TKO. Um, and since then, we've been working with Hostage Records in Huntington Beach, and of course they press everything through Cascade. So it's just a you know big. Big happy family, you know, and now that Mark actually makes that stuff up there, you know, it's all contained.
1: It's great. Makes it easier, but, I guess. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. funny. We've been kind of like because uh, we, we, Neil was just kind of we've been give, giving a commercial sort of every episode because. He said he's got like a four to six month turnaround, which is pretty much faster than anybody else. So, listen, kids, you sure. want your record made? Get Go to Cascade. Cascade, <laughs> Cascade pressing.
1: That's pretty good, and I have to say, it's a gorgeous double album too, Tom. It's uh, oh, thank you. It's, it's a couple it's, different
0: color variants, right?
1: Yeah, I got the first album is solid purple, and then the sec- well, and the second one is like a purple black splatter. It's uh, it's gorgeous. And I have to give a shout out to Mike because it comes with like a like a twenty eight page booklet, mm. and um with basically, you know, a, a, a short story of the band, you know, for all the decades, and it's really, really well written. And I believe, Mike, mm-hmm. you wrote that, right? You you wrote that, all those liner notes?
2: Yeah, I, I did. That was kind of a stream of consciousness uh, start to finish of the band. But um, actually, I have a book coming out on uh, D Wolf Publishing. Uh, it should be out this fall. And a lot of that from the booklet are excerpts from the book. So, hmm. Uh, so is well. it
0: like you, is it your biography or is it a biography of the band or you know I didn't really want to just do a cut and dried you know
2: musician memoir Whenever mm-hmm. I hear that kind sure. of shit it just makes me roll my eyes but bless <laughs> sure.
0: um, your Keith Moore you know, It's right? so
2: hard to it. it's so hard to narrow it down when you've got you know 40 years to talk about so what I did is I took a 1983 summer tour that we had taken when we were you know really young got in the van mm-hmm. for 3 months and I use that as the time frame of the book and then kind of go back and forth on uh, uh, my upbringing and meeting Kim, my my good friend that's still in the band, and uh, us finding music and the backdrop of hardcore early 80s and all that. So it's an autobiographical, hmm. fictional novel kind of. I well, that know.
0: sounds – we're going to have to read that, Neil. Wolf. now what yeah, else yeah. – it's a that's they specialize in music stuff, right? I I kinda that publisher rings a bell. Yeah, um they
2: just did the adrenaline
0: O. D. book. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If it's yeah. Tuesday it must be walla walla or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it. And they, they
2: uh first came on the scene with the uh history of city gardens, the New Jersey Club. Uh, okay. so uh you know, they they are a music publisher, but I've been working with Stephen, uh the editor and co founder there, and uh they decided to take a chance on doing a Doing this novel form with me and it should be
0: a different kind of thing. You know? So are you writing it or did you have a ghostwriter? No, I wrote it. I you wrote, okay, because I know most of the most of the memoirs, I mean it's in smaller print, but you know, and and they're great still. You know, I always talk about the Keith Morris one. We had uh we had the guy who wrote that. What was his name, you now? Remind me.
1: Oh man, you just threw me under the bus there, didn't you? We had him on. He was great. <laughs> yeah. He was a yeah. great
0: guest. He wrote that SST book, but he did the Keith Morris book, but I always think a lot of these celebrity kind of kind of punk rock books are essentially just sitting there listening to guys blather for days and hours on end and then a, a real writer kind of has to form it into something semi-coherent you know so it's interesting Yeah, well, I, it.
2: I went to school for creative writing so it's okay. always been my first type of thing so i just i think covid kind of spurred me to finally
0: sit down and just write the you whole the, thing off you had the time
1: well not to yeah. blow smoke not not to blow smoke up your ass but it, it the excerpts that are that are in those booklets really really good. I mean, it's fat. You know, normally no normally normally you, normally you scan those booklets, right? And uh, right. You look at the know, pictures. Yeah. yeah, look at the pictures and stuff. But this was actually really super interesting. <laughs> See, I think. Well, I, I
2: always said that we. I had to uh, look at it from a different perspective because our band is not really. If you look at it, it's nothing dramatic or that interesting, as compared to other bands. We haven't had crazy. Uh, drug overdoses and highs and lows of the career, you know, we were just kind of like some uh, friendly, nice guys who just happened to end up on the stage, I always thought. So uh, (laughs) we had to tell our story as kind of that. We're kind of always felt like kind of outsiders who were suddenly thrust up there. And we got to play with all these heroes of ours that somehow treated us like peers suddenly. So uh, it, it still amazes me, you know, that we we get to hang out backstage with Lee Ving or, you know, the guys from the adolescence, you know. And we were sitting there on the floor of the clubs looking up at them when we started.
1: So what I found super interesting, and Tom, you might not know this, but um, Kim, his friend, whose friend who we formed the band with, basically, So he's right? the
0: other guitar player. Yeah,
2: he's yeah. the guitar player.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, they've been friends since they were like, what, eight years old,
2: you said? <laughs> yeah, we, we met uh, second grade. And uh, we've been friends ever since and, uh, you know, grew up in high school and started listening to music together, going to go see Kiss and Aerosmith at this Anaheim Stadium and learn how to play guitar together. And then next thing you know, we're in the garage. And through the years, we've just always stayed together, knowing that, you know, people would come and go. There'd be highs and lows of the band, but we, we just made a pact between ourselves that we would just never give up and just keep going.
1: Now, who was who was the one that got into punk first? Who was the one? <laughs> Who's the one that Uh, got
2: the other one at the front? you know, I think Kim has always been very, uh, you know, finger on the pulse of of music. And so, you know, of course we were, you know, love the big arena rock of the 70s, but he always looked a little beyond it, you know, always looking to, uh, you know, Bowie and the new wave stuff coming out. And then we just naturally started going to the clubs, the Whiskey and the Starwood, and you know, you'd know, you start seeing bands play original music, and uh, next thing you knew, it was hardcore punk rock time, man.
1: Yeah. Can you remember who, who was the first punk rock band you saw was, by any chance?
2: Uh, you know, it, it's funny, because back in the day, you'd go see, like, we saw Cheap Trick at the Whiskey, we saw Van Halen at the Whiskey, mm-hmm. and they would have um, bands opening up that were just like, what are these guys? And so we saw, like, the Dogs from Detroit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Slash back your band, face. Yeah, you know, and we're like, "Wow, what is this?" I mean, it's like really, you know, different energy, but uh, you know, it's still still rock and roll, the in loud and all that, they knew how to play, but it was a different kind of energy. So, I mean, back then you'd see bands like that and uh, you know, I want to see like the Mumps and, you know, wow. I mean, yeah, just er- early bands and it it's so funny that now that Lauren from the Dogs, like one of our really good friends, and uh, Ron, the drummer from the Dogs, was actually in Channel 3 for a while. So it just comes full circle. Yeah, is it
0: the same three people that were always in the band, right?
2: The Dogs? Um, Lauren and Mary, the bass player, are the same. They've, okay, they've cycled okay. through a
0: few drummers, yeah. Ah, that's drummers, man. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we, I, we, We've we gone through about 12, I think. Every, so, yeah actually i got one real insular question that's really uh just my personal curiosity that nobody else is going to care about but are you going to have those double lps with you when you do your little midwestern run here in a couple days
2: that's what we're doing it we're, you're so okay pit, okay the records yeah
0: all right i'm fine that. all right cool that, that was my first
2: <laughs> my second uh, you, course, you know 40, to, to promo this 40 we've been doing uh just these fly-in target dates because yeah you know, we're just too old to get in the van for three months everyone's got Sure. you know, careers and family. So, um, sure. you know, we flew out to do uh, Seattle and Portland. And then we came home. Then we flew out to do, uh, New York and Philadelphia. And then we're going out to do this. And then we have punk rock bowling. And then we'll hit Denver. So uh,
0: just just kind of target hitting just, the country just and these, uh, these long weekends where you're sort of just slowly drain the lies out of yourselves when you <laughs> go back to work on Monday.
2: yeah i mean we're like you know we'll leave friday as long as we're home sunday night to see succession and that's it you
1: know <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's, that, that's so funny that you say that because tom and i were just saying before, before we dialed you in he was saying how tired he is and i'm like oh man i hope it doesn't go until 2 a.m on friday night's <laughs> That's I mean,
2: in the old days, everyone would fight about, "Hey, man, fuck you. We're not opening up the show." Yeah, to play and now it's nice. like, "Hey, yeah. you know, we'll play first.
0: Just no problem."
1: Yeah. That's why so like, I said the, the deal. It's
0: the second second on the bill is a sweet spot because everybody's there. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, everybody's got exactly. energy. So I'll tell you what. Let's pl- let's play a song, you. Know? Let's play a real early song, and then we'll kind of go back in time, if you would.
1: Okay. That sounds in The
0: good. early '80s when you know we were full of vigor still
1: well mike was nice enough to allow us to pick the songs so yes, um yes. i'm starting what? off obviously with uh with one of the early classics i've got a gun
0: let's do that one yeah yeah
1: so um mike was this written about anything specific or was it just general teenage Teenagers being tough uh you,
2: you know it was supposed to be a satirical type of take on uh on hmm. uh Guns, you know, how uh, that power dynamic instantly changes when somebody has this piece of metal Mm. in their hand, you know. Mm -hmm. So I I wrote that way back when as kind of an anti weapon Mm. anthem. So, as usual, punk rock, it's taken as, you know, (laughs) taken on face value and it's become an anthem for the NRA. But exactly,
1: born in the USA, born
0: in the USA is a patriotic anthem. And I've Got a Gun (laughs) is Charlton Heston's favorite song. All right, let's give it a All
1: right, Channel 3 with I've Got a Gun. (laughs) you <laughs>
3: is I'm taking me
1: all right still sounds as good as ever that was uh channel three with I've great got song. a gun now that a was uncle on...
0: or not great song yeah so <laughs> So
1: very relevant
0: where, today too. Where are you guys from exactly? I, I, I remember seeing the Wikipedia, some smaller Southern California town that really didn't jump out at me at first. What's where are you guys actually from?
2: Well, so Cerritos, which we're famous from, famously from, um, is a little suburb right exactly on the border of Orange County and Los Angeles counties.
0: So it's, when you're going downtown to see punk shows in Los Angeles back in the day, is it a long ways or is it pretty close? We back in the day, we could get there in about 25 minutes, you know, from our house, our little
2: garage in the suburbs, to the Sunset Strip to the whiskey, you know. Now it's two hours. And then, right? and then, yeah, exactly. It's it's always two hours getting anywhere in LA. And then, uh, you know, we're about the same distance going into Fullerton, going into the old uh, roller rinks that we do all the Orange County shows. So we were we were kind of split right in the middle. And as a band, we were kind of, you know. Not accepted, but accepted by both the LA tribe and the Orange County tribes. You know, hmm. always kind of outsiders and always kind of on the on the uh, border. There
0: were, were there any other bands from that little town you guys were in, or were you pretty much the the only game in town? Uh, you
2: know there there were there were uh, bands because we uh, we all started playing the backyard parties, and there were just tons of backyard parties in these huge hmm. suburban houses. As we came up, there was a band called. Uh, Der Staub, which was, uh, I mean, really early punk rock. I mean, they were playing the Mask all the time. And yeah. our friend Joe Wood, that was in Der Staub, went on to become TSOL. the replacement singer for TSOL, right? Yep, so yep. he was our high school pal
0: there. Made made one really pretty good TSOL record and then kind of went off the rails, right? Well, you know, I mean, he's his friend. You can't say that. We were as, <laughs> we were as guilty as anyone for
2: growing the hair big back then. I've heard really? Mark oh, I'm going to ask you about that one. About doing that, uh, <laughs> what the hell were they thinking Podcasts, And I'll, I'll be <laughs> the first one on that, goddammit.
0: <laughs> well, once, yeah, I suppose, you know, it's, it's, it is always the temptation. A lot of the punk bands, of course, went on to do like a crossover metal thing when there was money being thrown at that so yeah i mean I, I can't blame anybody for trying to make it make a living playing music i guess at the end of the day
1: well for sure yeah i mean especially because you were on uh, posh boy was the first label right yeah how that how'd that come about because it's funny because posh boy was probably a tiny
0: little label out of a bedroom but now it's sort of legendary right
2: yeah well you know when we got on posh boy he'd already done the rodney on the rock compilation and beach boulevard and put out the TSL ep so he was on top of the world and mm. after the tsl ep we had never even played a gig we just went to a demo studio uh, studio to make a demo just to hear what like our five original sound like and just by chance a friend of a friend gave her friend a cassette that we're just kind of passing out to our friends and she happened to be dating robbie fields posh boy mm-hmm. They put it put it in the stereo, and then next thing you know, he called us. And he came down to our garage and said, "Here's a record contract. Let's make a record." And we were like, "What?" You know,
0: <laughs> we, it just something, something out of the movies. Just, we said, what? "Just as it was, as it was, as a demo. You didn't want you to re-record or anything, or?" He, he did want us to re-record it, but he okay. he liked what he heard in the demo.
2: He said it was a really polished demo. He liked the songs, and so he immediately got us into the, the recording studio on one Saturday. We whipped down that. First EP in about you know two hours, those five songs, and we were still confused. Like, is this a real record? I mean, this
1: you know, <laughs> can't be real. We
2: didn't believe it until we went down to Z Records and it was sitting on the shelves. And next thing you know, we had this record. We still hadn't played a gig uh, besides The backyard party, so we were That's always good. playing catch up, you know. So
1: is is the story correct in the um, in the line of notes of the booklet there? It said that the he, first... He wrote song... it, Neil. He's
0: not going to tell well, you it's Well,
1: no, it's just funny that he said the first song they played, I assume this was at the house party, was a 999 cover. Was that right?
2: That's it. We we loved 999. I don't know why that band just spoke to me and Kim so much. And I, we've become good friends with Nick Cash. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean... The, the song just blew me away, and the first song we ever played at a party was Let's Face It.
1: Yeah. Have you ever thought of covering yeah. that? Ah, or that'd be a good.
2: good idea, you know.
1: Just kind of a tribute, I mean, you know? A throwback? Yeah, I
2: mean, it is a shame that Nine are not bigger than what they should be. I mean, back, back in uh, early 80s, they were headlining the Santa Monica Civic out here, which is, you know, 3,500 feet. <laughs> See, because they had Homicide on regular daytime airplay on K-Rock. But uh, now, because they've they've had difficulties coming over to the States, uh, they tell me that they they haven't toured as much as a lot of the English bands. And uh, unfortunately, you know, their name is kind of passed over when people talk about them. But always love them, still still
1: love them, see them every time we are over at Rebellion. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I think they've still got at least two original members, I think. Maybe three. I know Nick Cash is. Nick Cash is still in a band. I think. I think uh, the Lurkers bass player plays with them, right? Yeah. Um,
2: Arthur Arthur and Nick have been together quite a while, yeah. and I'm not sure if any of the other guys. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that was uh, so that was cool. So that was the first EP, um, and then the, the, was the first album on Posh Boy too.
2: Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually did two full length albums and the EP on Posh Boy. And uh, what was interesting is between the EP and album, he licensed the EP as a single to uh, No Future over in England. And that was just crazy for an American band to be on No Future.
1: Yeah, and, I, I, uh, I actually wanted to ask you about that because that was really unusual. Because, Tom, this was. Uh geez 82 83 i would guess and um mm-hmm. there, there wasn't a lot of american stuff over there at that time like dead kennedys had obviously hit over there but probably black uh, flag the big um, ones right Well, not not and black flag like i saw black flag at the gallery in 83 and that was probably like 40 people so <laughs> um to see channel three on the no future on Newton no future records because i mean that was blitz partisans peter and test Tube babies oh, all the real political stuff red alert um yeah. just all english bands so it was really weird seeing an american band i mean how did that come about like how come it, it was you guys
2: it blew us away because you know in their their wisdom they just did a whole different color cover they called it i got a gun single they didn't use any pictures of us because we we're so goofy looking but uh <laughs> I, I think Robbie forgot to even tell us. We we were just like up in San Francisco and walked into a club. We saw the poster on the wall. We're like, wow, what is this? And next thing you know, that single was charted and uh, championed by John Peel. And uh, you know, to this day, we have huge huge numbers of people that still think we're an English band because yeah, of for that. Sure.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because were, I mean, you, you, you so were you able to tour England in those early days? No, we.
2: uh, It's funny when we. uh, I think this the winter of '81 or '82. um, Robbie had given us uh, one-way plane tickets to England to tour with Blitz, and this was crazy for us. I mean, Kim and I were still in school at Long Beach State, so ours our winter break and. You know, our, our moms bought us some heavy coats and said, okay, off you go. <laughs> and just before we took off, Blitz broke up for the first time. Ah. And so we, we still we had a connection in New York. So we said, well, screw it. We'll, we'll go to New York because we had a, a uh, New Year's Eve show booked there on the way over. And we ended up staying on the East Coast for about three weeks. And uh, that's how we really got to know the East Coast. We played play CBGBs about five times within that two weeks and played at a seven Boston to Philly to DC. And we just fell in love with all that, the New York hardcore kids and all that. They, they become like really good friends of ours. So that turned out well, but we did not get to Europe until, uh, geez, late nineties was the first time. And the first time we played in England was, uh, one of the Rebellion festivals when it was more cam probably in 2001.
1: I think it was called Holidays <laughs> in the Sun back then, was it? Right, Something right. Like it was yeah. still
0: Holidays in the Sun then. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting
0: because obviously, you know, that early, like the 80s was, you put out the most stuff in the 80s, but you never really quit putting stuff out. Did you guys ever go through a period where you said, we're done? Or was it just a matter of slowing you know obviously you know there's a few that are definitely further apart than others and it's been a while since you put out some new stuff but right. is it is it just uh did you ever like pack it in or you just got busy and just kind of the band got pushed aside was there ever a point where you said that's it we're done
2: well you know after we so after Poshway records and uh then we went to enigma which a lot of the punk rockers did and well they, and which was
0: could was it could be a stepping stone to really big things some of those bands right. went on to have a great deal of success Oh sure,
2: and uh, you know Enigma really encouraged the bands like you know branch out, do what you want, and all that, which yeah. everyone thought, okay, you're going to go heavy metal, you know. But for <laughs> us, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, we didn't want to be Black Sabbath, we wanted to be the Black Crows, you know. Ah. so it's just know, should... the way the way everything was packaged back then with the big hair and the cowboy boots, and you got <laughs> in the studio and you'd work for eight hours on the fucking snare drum sound, you know, <laughs> to make it sound like cannons. The production was all big and you know everyone's just aiming for 40 guitars it just kind of the production kind of overshadowed the songs anyway so uh we went through the enigma phase and then we we went to kind of a demo hell you know the the ultimate goal back then was to get a major label and so we had management that said go in do do a demo tape and then they'd send us back in do another demo tape and then do a major label showcase that kind of thing and we were kind of all burnt out then and we kind of retreated to our own corners then. Uh, but we never really stopped the band. Uh, our, our bass player, Jay Lansford, who was uh, in the simple tones and, uh, the unforgiven before he joined us, he was kind of my musical mentor or he moved to Europe. So Kim and I just kind of, just kind of kept the band going, getting together and drinking beer in the garage and playing the old songs for ourselves. We played maybe once a year, little, uh, little get togethers. Uh, but it wasn't until the CDs came out and the internet came about that the bands were kind of re resurrected. And, uh, it's fascinating that almost every Southern California band from that era
0: is out there playing again. It's, yeah, it's sometimes amazing. two, or, sometimes two or three versions of the same band. <laughs> I mean, there's like two Doctor No's. You know. <laughs> I, know right. I know. Why don't we Why don't we play another song, Neil, and then we'll get into uh, yeah. all those pals out there in Southern California? Cause here's the thing with us Midwesterners, you know, we get occasionally we get one of these big package tours. Like we got Descendants, Circle Jerks, and uh, who else is coming? You know, and adolescents are coming through, and we're all like. We're we're just like beside ourselves, like we must go to this, but that's just like Saturday night in Greater yeah, LA. Like that's
2: a regular weekend over here, <laughs>
0: and and it's just it's just so rare for us, and 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 you know, like a band like you guys to pass through the Midwest, it's just it's a must see must see TV as they used to say. So what, what song are we gonna do next, Neil?
1: Um, I, I'm gonna do okay, so I'm doing like Tufas here, right? So I have got this is the, okay. this is the last of the super old stuff. So I want to do okay. Manzanar. Um, ah, yes. I have got no idea what Manzanar is about. Is it a place? So many punk bands had songs about Manzanar, Neil. It must be something.
2: It is a place indeed. Um, my uh, my mother is Japanese, and hmm. in World War II, you know, they rounded up all the Japanese Americans. Even though my mother was born in United States, uh, they rounded up all the Americans of Japanese descent and put them into internment camps. And out here in California, the camp was Manzanar, which is. Oh, is uh, that right? Uh,
4: oh, okay.
2: Yeah, it's, it's up about four, four hours up uh, on the edge of the Sierra Nevadas, uh, just a bleak, cold place. And uh, basically, the, the Japanese citizens had everything taken away. They could bring what they could carry. Their, their land, their properties were more or less just confiscated, and they were put away for two, three years. And, uh, you know, growing up, it was, of course, it was a big part of my family history, but I was always confused why it was never covered in school. I mean, you know, it it was a big part of history. And so it was just a natural thing for me to write about. And, uh, you know, to this day, I get people coming up and saying I had no idea that happened. And punk Mm. rock educated me on this. So, uh, you know, we're, we're proud to play it still
0: it was a it was a dark it was a dark black it was a black mark on their history no question about yeah. it yeah
1: easy but, to see in hindsight right well i'm glad I, i'm glad i chose that one because the other one i was going to play was wet spots so i'm glad, I'm glad I, chose, <laughs> I think i know what that was about I'm glad i chose manzanar so uh all right let's uh let's give that a, give that a listen this is manzanar right on We're gonna make that was the second for channel three tonight that's uh that was manzanar uh going back to okay actually no you know what i'm gonna go in a different place so when i first heard you guys it was on um i believe it was on the rodney on the rock compilation i think it was either volume two or volume three right and i think it was separate piece does that make sense
2: that was on volume oh
1: you were on both okay
2: yeah we we were on volume one that was we just missed that um i believe that was volume three with a separate piece
1: okay tom i don't know if um, you've heard those compilations those rodney and the rock compilations are fantastic i am Asp- not very familiar.
0: i mean i know of them but no i'm not really familiar with them
1: i especially for fam- me i mean i was in england but I was uh, I was getting really turned on to a lot of American stuff and those compilations were fantastic just because they had so many great bands on them and, I and it was all
0: SoCal stuff right it was all regional
2: pretty much
1: almost all of it yeah almost yeah. all yeah. of it was SoCal stuff the
2: the, the number one uh, Rodney on the Rock number one is just incredible I mean it kicks off with uh, Asian Orange Bloodstains uh, you know, it's got an Amoeba on there it's got Wild in the Streets on it it's
0: incredible every song that's gone on to become a classic yeah huh yeah, so it's we, funny. You, it's funny you mentioned that production thing, you know, because in the '80s, in the middle '80s, when there was more money, a lot of those bands did, did get so lost in production. Because you look at that first Agent Orange album, one of the sharpest sounding punk albums of all time, had very probably had a very minimal budget and then yeah. six, or eight, six or eight years later they make the second album and they had a big budget and it's like uh yeah. you know it's just something about that raw production it's like the ramones albums man the first ramones albums hold up the hold up the best the cheapest ones the quickest ones recorded and i think it's i don't know what it is because i think it's because that production is kind of timeless as opposed to something from the 80s where you can be like oh that was definitely recorded in the mid 80s because you can hear the drum triggers and the stupid synth crap and all that, and all that but anyway i digress i'm sorry neil go ahead finish your thought
1: <laughs> no i want to see if mike agrees with you
2: <laughs> oh yeah i mean uh, like i said that first cp we recorded that in four hours and that's including the setup and we got to that uh big hair record enigma last time i drank we were in the studio i think three and a half months and just wow it was just as as wasteful and as lazy as you could imagine you know some days going in and Managing one one track on one song or something.
0: Well and the uh, fact of the matter know, is it's you are thinking, oh we're you know, we got this advance of the label or whatever, but the fact of the matter is that's your money. You're gonna have to pay all that back. So oh, yeah. when you spend that long in the studio, you would have had to sell a phenomenal amount of the records probably even to break even at that point, right?
2: Oh the 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 record business back in the day was just you know destined to make almost every band fail. That's why <laughs> I I I really have no you know i have no sympathy for the record companies when they all went down when
0: the internet came along yeah but it's uh, hard to feel sorry for them plus they have no vision right they're all just idiots If something yeah to but to you to know the on the record. other
2: hand the, the problem is it's devalued uh music so much too you know i mean it's just so easy for a kid to say hey what's you know what is this band and like they pull up on youtube and they give each song 15 seconds you know because they didn't have to ride their bike down to the record yeah. store and spend and they, their allowance. And they, yeah, on exactly. This you can only
0: afford one record a month, so you better make, yeah. make sure you buy a good one, right? Yeah. And even if that record sucked. You'd
2: listen to it until you liked it, you know. That's you that. true. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: very true. Yeah. That's
0: a good way
1: to put it. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, like I was saying, I think the first thing I heard from you, we had a separate piece on that Rodney and the Rock Volume Three, and then the second thing was one of those. Uh, it was a Better Youth Organization. You had Indian Summer, uh, on right, right, yeah, something to believe in. I think that was the think that, uh, that was, was the second, compilation second of
0: the B.Y.L. See, I yeah. know those ones. That was the second of the B.Y.L. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and your track really stood out because you know a lot of the bands on there were just doing pretty you know be I mean, some great bands on there. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of them were doing pretty generic hardcore. But Indian Summer really stood out because it was a really well written song. So uh...
2: yeah, that that was actually the track that after we had fulfilled our contract with Poshvoy, we made. Uh, Fear of Life, and then the After the Lights uh, album. And after that, we were just kind of floating loose, just wondering what to do next. Um, It was still Kim and I, and we had brought aboard uh, Jay Lansford, who was our producer before, and produced Agent Orange and almost all those posh songs. And he was really pushing for, you know, a little more involved songwriting all that. So Indian Summer was the first song that we wrote, kind of like in you know, not not rock and roll really, but just a little more thoughtful in the songwriting process. Yeah, I
1: think but, you... uh,
2: that that compilation compilation was interesting because my two favorite songs were Indian Summer we did, and then Scratches and Needles by the Nils. Mm-hmm. And years ago, when uh, Youth Brigade celebrated their anniversary, they asked everybody to come back and choose a different song to cover, and we just naturally said, "Well, we got to do the Nils," and so. We're trying to learn it. I'm like, well, what, what are these words, you know? And I ended up getting a hold of Carlos area, and he's become like a real great friend of ours. We've gone up there and visited with him, and uh, he, it was funny because we we realized both those songs, they they almost have the same chord patterns, and it was very similar and all that. What we were trying to go for.
1: No, were they from Canada.
0: So, so that was on that double LP called Let Them Know a couple of years ago. That big thick right booklet. The DVD. That's a real cool package. You know, you ever seen? There's a movie no, about the history. No, I
1: haven't seen that. No,
0: it's cool, but it's yeah, it's a double red LP. It comes in like a big, like, kind of leather-bound book. It's a, it's a real cool. It's a real cool package. It's all BYO bands covering different BYO bands. Oh, interesting. Okay,
4: mm-hmm.
0: so it's it's and some the some are a little more you know less directly BYO, but they all kind of have some connection to the label. So it's cool. It's a cool package. Hmm. So, yeah.
1: So that Enigma album, last time I drank, I have to ask you. So, the the cover of that, whose whose who's, 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 who's idea was that? That
2: we were just caught up in the time, and it was you know it looks so ridiculous now. Yeah. But at the time, you got you know you've got the record company, you've got photographers, you know they're they're bringing. And like make up people and are saying, Oh, this is gonna be great, you know. They're like, look at M T V, you know, that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. And you kinda of go along with it because people tell you this could happen, and next thing you know, you look at it and you're like, Oh my god, you know, there goes the last bit of punk credibility we we've squandered right there, you know.
1: Well I know you were saying but, uh, I know you were saying black crows <laughs> rather than black Sabbath, but I look at that no, but I look at that and I listen to some of those songs and I'm hearing the alarm. I mean that's oh, that's yeah. that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing or you know what I'm what I'm hearing on there a lot of acoustic guitar and that kind of thing. So I know that um I don't know if they were on Enigma, but I know that kind of thing ruined remember the band The Red Rockers? Oh yeah. Do you remember them? So that the first was... album, Tom, I don't know if you know them, the Red Rockers, but the first I don't album... know
0: them at all. I the only Red Rocker I know is Sammy Hagar. <laughs> 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 Not,
1: <laughs> nothing to do with Sammy, no. But um the Red Rockers' first album is almost clash like, it's fantastic. And then I don't know if it was Enigma, but they signed to a major and the second album is just like, uh, it's yeah, it's like someone. Oh, that to,
0: is a great photo. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that <laughs> is uh, it's very colorful. Got to sound like a... The
1: Alarm because they're big right now. So everyone's trying to sound like The well, Alarm. It's yeah, funny, alarm. though, True. because
0: so many bands from that era did kind of try to branch out. And I think a lot of it was Fairly Natural Evolution. And Some that's of fine. Were chasing. Yeah chasing money, whatever it was, but it's, like, after the 90s, when the, like, in the mid-90s, early 90s, when there was sort of that little bit of, like, uh, punk on the radio, you know, Offspring, Green Day, like that, a lot of those bands seemed to kind of get it back together. Like, by the mid-90s, a lot of the bands that started off as punk bands in the 80s were back to playing, like, a classic-style punk. I think you guys are kind of in that number, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, what's funny, though, is, like, we
2: still play – songs off that last night drank you know we'll play last night drank we'll play you know hanging around all that just for our own enjoyment really (laughs) because i i said look man we we play those songs now it sounds like a class song but we without the uh the overblown production all that so i just tell the crowd hey just shut shut your eyes and don't don't pretend pretend that album cover please and give us a chance i have teased
0: hair (laughs) <laughs> I tend to have and have teeth there wearing cowboy a boots around my neck for some reason. <laughs> so it's funny, you know, cuz you guys you know, you're doing your sellouts now, you're doing these these 40th 42nd anniversary shows and you know, you, you I don't know how long you probably play right now or something. You got to try to, you know, do your whole career in Fifty minutes or an hour or whatever. How do you go about doing your set list? Do you do you know you try to make it crowd pleasing, or you trying to keep it interesting for yourselves, or how does that work?
2: Uh, you know, the, the lately on um, doing this this uh, latest tour, we, we're concentrating almost all on the post song because I oh know, that
0: doesn't make us sad. <laughs> we're honest with ourselves. We're like, look, that's
2: what people want to hear. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm as guilty as anyone when I go see a band. I want to hear those yeah. first two records that i know and you yeah. know when they say here's a new one it's like let's go hit the hey head, listen you, know? you got to go
0: get a beer at some point <laughs> and
2: take right right so, <laughs>
1: well that, that's interesting but,
2: uh, that's- but you know we'll, we'll sneak in a, a new one here and there at, at our own whim but uh, we we try to keep it uh pretty short and tight on on the hits that everyone wants to hear you know It's
1: it's interesting you say that, because I just just saw a review of The Damned just played, they've got a new album out, and they just played a bunch of shows in England, and I believe they played nine songs off the new album, (laughs) so the the, the crowd was pretty, uh, you know, they were waiting for neat, neat, neat or something, and they weren't too happy. (laughs) Well, you, you know,
2: I, I know that that used to be a very big credibility thing with bands, like, "Hey, man, we're playing only the new stuff tonight." It's like right on, but it's like that—that's band to band bullshit. It's like the crowd wants to hear what they came here to to I hear, heard. man, and that's why that's why these tribute bands are so big. It's like, oh my god, it sounds just like them. They played all the hits. Yeah, so that's yeah, what we're aiming for to be a Channel 3 tribute band
0: now <laughs> Well, and it's and they play for the first four albums right like all those tribute bands they never play past the first four albums that's like the, exactly. like the golden era yeah. of any band well, it's, it's funny you say that I was having a real brief conversation not to name drop because I don't know them at all but I was having a real brief conversation with Cliff Hanger from The Freeze one of my favorite bands of all time from Boston right. and he was talking about how it was hard to tour Europe because nobody knew they had a new album and I'm like that's so funny because in the U.S., nobody wants you to play your new music anyway. I mean, you find that Europe is, are they more open-minded? Are they more, they want to hear new material when you go play over there?
2: I, I believe they are. They seem to do their homework when they go see the bands. I think, you know, the American fans are a little more lazy because all these bands have been around so long. You know, our palsy adolescents they go out there and it's like, play the first album. We need to hear the blue record. Yeah, yeah. You know. But but they they were always tireless songwriters, so they'd always have a new record. And yeah, they put out a new record about.
0: every couple of years.
2: Yeah, well, it's, and it's so fun. for us, you know, we're we're very realistic. It's like let's put out a new record just to, I guess, you show that you have some credibility, but only because it's so fulfilling I to, one or to two do songs. that. Yeah, to do that studio experience and to get together creatively. But we know that, look, you know. 98% of people are haven't heard the new song. They don't give a shit about the new song. They want to hear what you wrote when you're 17. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know what? If,
0: if they're going to invite us out here to play halfway across the country, who are we to say now? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned the adolescents because, you know, I saw them, I don't know, a few years ago. And it was probably about half and half. They probably played about yeah. half the blue album and about half new material because they do. They put out an album every, every few years. They still put out an album. And they're decent, you know. But there's a band oh, yeah? called The Radolescents, I'm sure you're aware, know, and they're only playing the first record, and I'm sure they might be more fun to see than the actual, it's like, I don't know. Well, in,
1: in, the, in the same way that Flag was more fun to watch than Black Flag in the last few years, yeah. right?
0: Well, <laughs> dude, everybody's more fun to watch than Black Flag in the last couple of years, but that's, that's a totally different story.
1: <laughs> different topic, Plus, different hell, yeah. conversation. Let's, uh, let's play another song. What do you think? Um, all right, I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play Separate piece. Because, like I say, I think that was the first uh, Channel Three song I ever heard when I didn't even know who you guys were. So, uh, uh, do you want to give a brief introduction to this one, Mike? What, what, what was separate piece about?
2: Uh, this song—it's actually written as a, as a letter from a father to his son, and it was just kind of the dynamics of a family falling apart. Uh, I get you know questions all the time—is that actually your family? You know, the brother overdoses and the dad's unfaithful and the mom's drunk and i say no and my mom (laughs) was very upset when i heard the lyrics of that song but uh it was just kind of a different way to to tell a story and that ended up on the rodney on the rock volume three
1: yep which i have and i love it to this day all right let's give this a listen this is separate piece from channel three Three there with separate piece, uh, Mike. Were you were you the main songwriter, or was Kim, or did both of you take take a hand in the songwriting? Uh,
2: we, I, I say I was the the main songwriter. Kim does chime in now and then with a few ideas, but he kind of took over the business side of the band. And I just kind of took over the creative side of the band. So uh, I was the main songwriter on all the posh boy. Uh, records and then like i say our our producer J, jay lansford came and joined the band and i used him as a songwriting partner for the next few years and then now we're, we kind of get together and we
0: all write the songs nowadays so it's been a kind of full circle Who, who's your who's your rhythm section do you have like guys that are full-time or you just kind of whoever's available there in that rich fertile southern california <laughs> music scene
2: well, you know, we've had the same bass player, Anthony Thompson, for God, twenty-five years. I mean, he oh, was a right? kid when he was a kid when we got him. He's almost as old as I am now. I don't know. how It's weird, know. right? You
0: get that. You get that. Everybody yeah. has that. Everybody has that in their mind what the classic lineup is. But then you, you see these bands where the guys, the yeah. new guys, and then they're way longer than the classic lineup, right? Yeah.
2: So uh Anthony's been our, our, our anchor bass player, you know, bullshit detector for the last twenty five <laughs> years or so. And then our latest drummer is Nick Manning, which I was just just listening to your conversation with Bones from Lower Class Brats. Hmm. We share Nick with the Bratz oh, right? as well as Final Conflict. Hmm. And uh he, he must be in five or six bands, you know. I I, I don't know what the deal is. Damn it's drummers like Four quality drummers out here in Southern California. We always make
0: we that. We always make that joke that if you're a drummer who shows up, you can have as many bands as you want. You, oh, shit. But, uh
1: But that's s- interesting. I swear that's every single yeah. band that we talk to. They got, they've got like a drummer that's also in like six other bands. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy actually. So
0: the so the funny thing is, I don't know if our timing is really good talking to you or really bad because I, ideally, I think we probably made it done this a couple weeks ago, so we can kind of help promote your Midwestern shows coming up here. But the fact of the matter is, forty-eight hours from now, we're Neil and I are going to be drinking old styles at the Liars Club, right standing day. around waiting for you guys to play. So, you—I uh, you, mean, you flying out tomorrow? You just fly out Friday and play the gig. What's your? Uh, it, like I said, it's Wednesday yeah. today. You're playing Friday night.
2: Yeah, this is a turn and burn, and hopefully Southwest isn't late because we're not supposed to get it until like six thirty p.m. on Friday, so it's oh, gonna be a tight right? one.
0: <laughs> yeah, do, but, uh, doors open at wow, seven. Wow, <laughs> you were gonna be you were gonna be wiped out. You you better take Monday off.
2: <laughs> no, nah, you know we we gained a couple hours, so it's like daylight for That's us it. out there. But so uh, but uh, Herb and the guys at the Liar's Club are just like real great pals of ours, and uh, it's Cinco de Mayo. It's uh, yep. Gary Gary the Nutty. Uh, uh, man in charge over there it's his birthday so it's going to be just a blast and then mm. uh we get up and we're playing indianapolis on yep. saturday and then we got to get back to chicago to fly home and we'll be home by you know like noon on sunday so it's mm. a
0: turn and burn it's 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 funny so is liars club your plate when you play chicago liars club is your place or do you not get out that way very often yeah we it's we we tend to get to liars club or pre-COVID,
2: we just get out the Livers Club once a year. Uh, hmm. We've we played, uh, you know, we played Riot Fest some of the early years, and we played a few okay. other clubs. But when it we was found Lyra's Club is Lyra's Club is pretty much our home base now. We love hmm. it there.
0: I have never yeah. been. It will be my first yeah. time there. Now, like I said, I'm in Michigan. I'm about three hours away from Chicago. Yeah. I'm I'm right between Chicago and Detroit. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Neil says it's a very intimate place, which it really is. Good. Oh yeah, it's and great. it's Cinco de Mayo, Neil. You know, maybe they'll have like a Corona special or something. <laughs> Dude, what are you <laughs> talking about? You know,
1: you're just gonna be drinking PBR. What are you lying about?
0: I'm drinking PBR right now. <laughs> as I'm <about> to <laughs> Yeah, of course. Dollar
1: you know so. thirty nine for a twenty four ounce can. You
0: Neil. Know, you can't beat that.
1: Can't beat that. Can't beat that. Uh, so getting back to the getting back to the band. So okay, after last time I drank, which was on Enigma. So the, were you just on a one album deal with Enigma? Is is that the way that worked?
2: Um, I think it was pretty open-ended. So we went in there, we actually made an EP called Airborne, Airborne first, right. which was, yeah. you know, that that was the real alarm one. People were like, what the hell is this? We had a harmonica on there.
1: <laughs> oh, it is the right. alarm. Holy shit. Mike beat us. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that kind of like, all right, these guys are making a break for it. So then we did Last My Drink, which was just over the top. But, uh, at that time we, we happened to fall in this like really high powered management that was getting these crazy gigs. I mean, we played it. Irvine Meadows was a huge amphitheater out here with uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and X, and we're playing touring with uh, Midnight
1: Oil and. Oh, wow. let, yeah. let me let me ask you about that. How were the guys from Midnight Oil? Were they were they cool or were they uh, kind of just crazy crazy Australians? Uh
2: didn't talk to didn't talk to who's Big Peter the yeah Peter the big, yeah big, big the big bald sir yeah. He didn't, didn't, didn't get to talked down, to but the rest of the guys were cool. Uh, the, the manager was kind of like pushing us to the corner about uh, U.S. policies in the, uh, oh, and the race course. So I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I
1: have very little I didn't say start the that. fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. you guys are over here. Shut up. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I would think that but, would uh, get a little old after a while. I mean, they, 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 yeah, were, yeah. they were a pretty great band, but yeah, the just the practical implication of giving Australia back to the Aborigines <laughs> seems problematic. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, easy to say. So, so else, uh, yeah, we, we
2: were getting some really big showcases and big shows back then. And, uh, you know, we had the chance, we were kind of like, all right, all we guys, all we need is like that golden demo tape to get you guys a major label and it never really, never really materialized. And, uh, there was actually a, an album called rejected, which is a, a c- collection of some of those demo songs that uh, it's kind of a rare album that's out there somewhere. So who put that out? Um, there was a gal named Jill Heath up in Toronto, and she had, uh, I believe it's called Lone Wolf oh, Records. Wolf and Fracken. she just, yeah, yeah she she just said it'd be a good idea to put these out on an album. We're like, really? Or whatever. And she did it, and it kind of came out. And now I guess it's a hot, hot find for some people. Because there's um, not very many copies of it. Huh. No, I mean, there a couple of the tracks uh, show up on the 40 box set because they're just oh, yeah, so, so weird and so rare. But uh, that's that's uh, pretty much the only output that we have between that and then our comeback record on Dr. Strange records.
0: That's funny. I got the, your Discogs open right now because you did a live album on that wonky German oh, yeah. labor, Lost and Found, which I always wondered if their records were sort of legit or if they were just... Sort of, you play at a club over there, they record you and put your record out. Yeah, you know, that,
2: that's exactly what it was. We uh, we had never been to Europe, and we found these crazy airfares to go to Dusseldorf for, you know, like 100 bucks. And Kim and I decided to go on vacation, take our wives. And when Jay, who was living there, heard about that, he said, why don't you guys come over, and we'll play one show. And we're like, what? With who? And he said, no, I'll, I'll find a pickup band. And so... <laughs> It went from that to saying, hey, how about we record the show and we'll give you guys enough money to pay for your vacation. And we're like, uh, I guess. So we get to Europe for the first time ever, jet lag. We go straight to a club and we meet the guys that are going to be Channel 3 for the night. <laughs> we do a two-hour two soundtrack with them and then we record a live record with these guys. So just <laughs> a
0: random a random German rhythm
2: section. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jay was a bass player, so he do the song. So he just he had drilled these. Also, it was just the oh, drummer. So it was just drum, the so
0: drummer. Oh, okay, so it was just a dr- oh, the Oh, the second guitar. Okay, huh.
2: and it and it turned out real well, and we ten, ended up being great friends with all the guys in the band that were in the band that one night. And uh, it's funny on the, we have a collection on the the forty anniversary with uh, a picture of everyone who's been in Channel Three and the, these German <laughs> looks like a yearbook, uh, you know temporary <laughs> workers they they show up in there too man. it was great that's funny
1: yeah it was working like a whole those pictures it like right. a high school yearbook it's got somebody Yeah, yeah. In it, you know. it does it does <laughs> actually I was I didn't know any of the people were except for the main band obviously so that's pretty funny so dr strange records so i mean dr strange i know is a record store um right. i i didn't really know they had a label too oh yeah yeah they put Did out they, some cool stuff by the freeze that yeah, i um,
2: I I think they're kind of uh not really pushing the label side of it now,
0: but they were... Yeah, I don't know uh, when the last time they put something out was. I think it's been a while.
2: Yeah. before Just before streaming hit, they were really active in Southern California. And uh, you know, we talked to Bill. And he said, "You know, it's time for you guys to come out there and do something again. And, of course, I had collected songs throughout the years that I had nothing to do with. And we went, went in the studio and laid them all down. And we came back with a new record. And that was really kind of the start of the internet as well. And it was the resurgence of the SoCal hardcore thing. It was really wild. A couple of years uh, we started playing and of course for any punk rockers, it was just a thrill for us to be able to play at a place like you know, House of Blues and things like that. you know, Actual clubs with backstages where they t- treated you like a band. And then we discovered that Europe was uh, had a real fascination with that '80s Southern California sound. And that allowed us to start going over to Europe almost every summer and spending our time there and having a great time. So it's so, pretty big, much been us since.
0: So it's funny, right? Cause in 2002, you guys are like, I don't know, you're probably pushing 40 ish or so in that ballpark. Yeah. And it's like, man, I don't know. We might be too old to still be doing this. And here it is 20 years later. It's so funny, right? It's just cause I remember seeing all so many bands in the nineties thinking, Oh, these guys are so great, but they're getting kind of old, but a lot of them are still playing. And the fact of it is, is a lot of them play better now than they did then because they're, well, more sober or or just it. it
1: all of the above experienced, yeah. All of well, the
0: I mean, I felt like I was lucky in the '90s to catch a lot of those '80s bands, but I mean, this year I'm going to see as many bands that i have never seen in my life this year as I mean, as long as Waddy keeps his health together, Neil. <laughs> this yeah. is the year. But no yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to see a bunch of bands that I never thought I'd get a chance to see, and it's 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 pretty awesome, honestly. You know, well, you I mean, got fifty-year-old guys going to see six-year-old guys, right? Yeah, our class of 82,
2: I mean, we're all 60-plus years old yeah. now, and it's crazy. And like you say, I can guarantee you that we all sound better than we ever did. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's funny that the uh, this phenomenon of punk rock is like, I'm, I always go, why are we allowed to still do this? And <laughs> maybe it's because punk was supposed to be anti-image, you know. it's Yeah. It's become the blues, you know. I mean, you don't think twice when you see a 75-year-old guy up there playing the blues. That's true, yeah. And maybe that's why punk rockers could do it. Whereas, you know, the glam guys with the spandex, they look a little, you
1: know, they look a little <laughs> long in the tooth now. Yeah, can't do And
2: when they play at the House of Blues, they're going, God damn, we we played the stadium across the street, you know, when we were big. And for, for them, it's a come down for us. It's like, ah, this place has a... Actual bathroom.
1: Well, you actually, you actually put it in a really good way in those in those uh, liner notes where you said, you know, now places are, are asking us to play where well, they wouldn't have us play, you know, ten ten years ago yeah. or whatever. They they oh, wouldn't sure. even have us on. You know, I thought that was. pretty but yeah. you
0: got you got a rebellion, you know, and we've seen the pictures. There's people like older than us. They still have their mohawks and they're still wearing their bullet belts and stuff. Like you go to SoCal, I assume it's like here. Most of us are wearing shorts and sweatshirts, and yeah. so, most of us don't put on the full punk costume anymore. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it, you know, over there in England, it's really, you know, it, it's like their football teams. You know, it's like a lifestyle yeah. and win or lose. You know, that is their life, and it's the same thing with punk rock, rockmen. I mean, you gotta love those guys.
1: They, make they the come over their and solos.
2: they they're introducing you to their grandkids and, you know, yeah. taking pictures and it's like, wow, man. I mean, for us to have grown up at the very birth of something like this is you know, I think that's what makes it so special to everybody, that it it was such a fierce tribe that had to stick together against the outsiders. That's why it means so much to people.
0: And a lot of people have not made it this far, so I think there is sort of this camaraderie among people who are still involved with the scene and people who are still You know, kind of live to tell the tale, if you will.
2: True. I mean,
0: uh, I really don't
2: know how much longer that uh, we'll be doing it, but it's just it it never fails to just honor. Well, Charlie Harper go out and do it.
0: Charlie Harper should be everybody's hero.
1: Yeah, seventy six, I think, right? Seventy five or something something this year. He's
0: doing this farewell tour finally. Go out like Charlie Harper. Don't go out like Aerosmith. They're doing their final tour this year, and it's like it should have been twenty years ago, dudes. Should have been twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. All right, Neil, why don't you play another song? I'm going to go grab another beer and okay. take a pee, so I will jump in mid-conversation when I get back.
1: <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I am going to pick, uh, from that BYO compilation, I'm going to pick the song Indian Summer, because it seems like it was a good bridge between your original stuff and the beginning of some of the mid-period latest stuff, right? So, um, right. Indian Summer, what was that specifically about?
2: um yeah indian summer is uh usually that last burst of uh of heat the last reminder of summer before it turns cold and so i just kind of use that as a metaphor of you know maybe this is the last good times we have before it all goes to shit and uh who knows you know in late 80s maybe that was uh pretty prophetic and all that but uh yeah, for sure. That's that's that's
1: where I came up with it. Okay, that's cool. All right, let's listen to that. This is uh yeah, channel three with Indian Summer. All right, Channel Three there with Indian Summer. I don't even know if you're allowed to say Indian Summer anymore. <laughs> that might be not be correct to say. I have no idea. That's, but, that's uh, interesting. But, but there we, yeah, there we go. Um, so okay, so when you put out that album in two thousand two, the Channel Three comeback album, I guess we'll call it, uh, was that was the band back full time at that point, or was it just something that you were? You a lot of songs you had in the pipe, and you just wanted to get them out.
2: Uh. You know, it was, it was kind of us all getting back together and saying, okay, if we're going to do this, then we're going to have to tour behind it and we're going to have to get together. And uh, Kim and I were at a time of our lives that we said, okay, you know, the, the, the kids aren't babies anymore. They're, they're older. We can leave for a little bit. And we found two guys, uh, Anthony Thompson, who I said in base, and then our friend Al, Alfredo Silva came on board for several years. And so we made that record, and uh, it was really a case of every cha- every Southern California band, you know, bar none, got back out there and started playing and playing really well. And it was really heady time. I mean, it, we didn't know when it would, what the ceiling would be. I mean, we Southern California punk and uh, re in punk was like just on fire back then.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, the only band that didn't was uh, Code of Honor, which was probably one of my favorite early '80s uh, California punk bands. Did you ever play with Code of Honor?
2: Oh, I'm sure we did. I mean, I go back through the flyers, and there's evidence of all yeah. that. But I, is, I it, is it the
0: point now where you can't even remember who you played with, who you didn't play with? Because I was going to say, who were your dudes back in the like back in the days? Who were your favorite bands to play with?
2: Well, I mean, adolescence, fear, circle jerks—we got on all those great shows. You know, it—it just—I go through the flyers and it just boggles my mind what a great show. It's you know? like a who's who. Huh? Did I see you guys are playing with Fear again coming up here? Uh, we we did do a couple uh, tours
0: with Fear. Um, I swear, I just saw somebody we ago. know was playing with Fear. Maybe it wasn't you guys. I apologize. Maybe it wasn't. I just uh, saw we, somebody. We actually
2: we do, do actually have talks to do some shows with them this summer too, though. So let's uh, go. Cool. Oh wait, um, punk rock bowling. I think they're on the same day as us too. So that could be. That could be. Yeah. I
0: have I haven't seen them for twenty something years, so I would like to see them too. I don't, they're playing Chicago, Neil. They're doing Reggie's.
2: Oh yeah, I'm yeah, telling you, yeah. uh, Lee Ving, He's right up there with Charlie Harper as a monument, you know. And yeah, uh, it's funny because you know we we travel with them now, you know, and we're like just hang out at the airport and I'm like, dude, I, I hate to do this, but you got to tell me about John Belushi. You have to tell me about, you know, the center, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. to tell you all about it. And it's like, God, this is, you know, he was history. He was in flash
0: dance, you know? Well, the fact of the matter is, I mean, you know, don't sell yourself short because we, we could do the same thing with you because the fact of the matter is, you know, you were there with all those bands. I mean, okay I get it he's a yeah he's a little he's a little more famous you know as a name individually yeah. but um but yeah you know I mean just to have did you did you get a chance to read either of those John Doe books where one was called Under the Big Black Sun and one was called something else where they were like those oral histories where the people yeah, just tell yeah. stories about being in the LA scene and there's two volumes of it I can't remember what the second one's mm-hmm. called more new adventures in the new world or more adventures in the new world or something but I gotta tell you it was just such a you know, being a Midwestern kid and being born just a little too late to be part of that, it just seems like – and I'm sure it was hard to appreciate while you were there and while you were young because when you're young, everything's going to last forever. But, man, what an awesome time to be a kid, right? As many problems yeah, as mean, there are in the world. We, we talk to people all the time, especially in Europe. And they're like, tell us about
2: this historic time. And it's like it was not a historic time for us. We were like just kids just drinking as much beer as we could and trying to get laid, you know? <laughs> But they're it, like, they're like, Donald <laughs> Reagan? Ronald Reagan? Yeah. <laughs> the virtue of surviving gives you some sort of credibility, you know? Yes. And,
1: yeah,
2: oh, yeah. and, you know, Kim and I talk about that all the time. It's like, as long as you just don't, don't break up, you still stick together, people go, wow, you know, those guys.
0: You know, if nothing else, they're still at it. <laughs> well, the fact that you have two members actually puts you in fairly rarefied air because most of them, after 40 years, are down to like the singer or the guitar player or whatever. So the fact that you have your kind of core of your band is it, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Not crazy. So, well, and it probably helps you, guys, that you, you you never had that record where you made so much money that you had to fight over it. You know what oh, I mean? Like if if you had true. that one record where you just – where you made a couple million dollars, you were still fighting over the rights, that might have – you know? So blessings, right? Small, <laughs> small <laughs> things sometimes. There you go. Even though – so I, I was, I was going to say, Neil and I are both record dorks. So I see there's a – the radiation repressed um, – the Fear of Life record That's a great Italian label That's been putting out All these reissues Do they have to come to you Do that or does like Posh Boy still own that stuff Do you guys have the rights To your albums at this point Posh Boy indeed still owns uh, Or he,
2: he curates the rights To the first 27 Posh Boy songs The ones that everyone wants to hear that Everyone loves and all that But um, we actually are You know Possibly he has a lot of history and mystery around him, and people are always bringing up, you know, you know, what a crook this and that. But he simply had the foresight to to uh, register all these songs right. back when it was the Wild West punk rock days, and we knew going into it that we were signing over the rights to these songs. But who but, thought
0: they'd be who thought they'd be worth anything at that point, right?
2: Right, like, exactly. We, we we had lawyers look at it. They said, "Well, you guys are a garage band. You're, you know, these things won't be around." <laughs> yeah. When yeah. yeah. when think? Some magic box is going to play these
0: things over your phone, uh, you know, it'd be crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. lawyer, lawyer shows up with Bobby Vinton blaring in his Cadillac. He's like, "What is?" This? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but we we've actually um, kept a very nice relationship with Posh Boy through the years, and he's always allowed us to you know, do whatever we want. We have projects like, you know, this box set we can license to ourselves for free, whatever. And Hmm. he actively um, shops the songs for placement in, you know, TV shows and commercials. And that's really where some good funds are nowadays. And so, um, you know, we're we're under agreement that uh, when the time comes, I will get the rights back to all my songs. But until then, he's doing a better job of of, yeah, uh, than keeping you out you. there than
0: anyone else, so that's funny because th- I wonder if Mike Ness. So, like, does so he own all that Social D stuff too? Or wonder if Social D got their stuff back? They were kind of the, uh, probably the biggest band on that label, right? Yeah, most of the big guys got their stuff back, and
2: uh, what's funny is is. Most of the people that quack about poshway, they've got like one song in a compilation that they yeah. think they're owed. Well, it's Thousands funny because I <laughs> know any, you
0: know. I'd never heard anything like negative about the running of it. But I mean, we're pretty far removed from that that scene. But you know, there's some labels that have a bad reputation, but I wouldn't give them. I wouldn't put them in that in that category, at least from what. But yeah, it's funny because they were short-lived, right? They didn't put anything out after like mid '80s. Yeah. That I know of, at least, um, unless. They,
2: Unless they did, but yeah, you know. um, Robbie's still still out there, and he's still you know handling some digital things. But he, like I said, he he still is way on top of the licensing and huh. the streaming rights and all that. So he he really watches out for those songs. And really, I think, but it was just us and Agent Orange that went on and had a, uh, a catalog with Robbie. And most of the other bands were like one at or, or the compilation. So. Uh, um, I I believe that uh, Mike Palms also come to
0: agreement with hmm. Robbie on his,
2: his legacy and all that. So that's uh, another album
0: that's been reissued. Yeah, that first Agent Orange album has been reissued. Yeah, God knows how many labels it's been on over the years. But that would be great. Yeah, I would true. love that. Now, I don't, I don't watch live TV very much. But if I was watching live TV and, like, there was a Buick commercial came on and I heard, like, you make me feel cheap or something, <laughs> in the me, like, I would background, <laughs> know, that. Wet spots. That? Right? We, we, had, we had the song Spots and
2: Numbers on a scene of uh, the Netflix show Stranger Things. Oh, really? And ah. you can barely even hear it in the background. And we got more hits off of Spotify, more kids to run really? YouTube off of that than anything. It was crazy. It, it yeah. really
0: is – it is bizarre the way the kids get music now. You know, my, my 16-year-old da- – 15, almost 16-year-old daughter who just loves all this horrible Lizzo and pop, just crappy pop music. Just, I can't stand. But she was watching that Wednesday show and there was that Cramps song, Goo Goo Muck. And Google all these muck, kids yeah. are listening to Goo Goo Muck. And I'm like, you know, I guess it's better than them not knowing who the Cramps are. I mean it's weird. It's unconventional. But there's no – mass you know it's not like when we were kids and we listened to the radio and and we were all listening to the same songs on rock radio that that influence just isn't there anymore kids find stuff all over and they have they have access to all the best stuff of all time it's a weird yeah well i mean we time.
2: we had what Seven channels and like, you know, four good radio stations. And these guys are just
1: limitless. So that's D-O, why he when I four, hear. You had
0: four good radio stations? Dude, you're <laughs> the dream.
1: I have, yeah, I have one. Like I 20, had one good radio station and two channels. One or two. And that was <laughs> yeah. the
0: one that played Def Leppard. That was the good station. <laughs> yeah. But that's why now when I hear, you know, a Buzzcock
2: songs on a cruise ship commercial, I'm like, right on, man. That's going to make at least one kid yeah. out there saying what the hell is that, you know? Well, and it's hard to
0: begrudge anybody making a couple bucks at this point. You know, I remember in the 80s, you know, the maximum rock and roll era was like (laughs) we all had to decide what was selling out and what wasn't selling out. Now it's just like you're just happy to see anybody who you know isn't a total corporate tool making a dollar. It's just the attitude has changed so much, you know? Like if there was a Channel 3 branded – wine at aldi i'd be happy you know like hey, i just picked up a couple of <laughs> bottles of the uh, channel three well wine. now I, I do have to say that we have our friends steady brewing
2: here in long beach that do have the channel three beer is that right that's cool oh yes. yeah channel Three lager we what is it they they do oh, a lager, a, okay. official licensed uh the damned ipa they mm. do a fear beer and they do a channel three lager mm. And usually we can't sell these in the merch booth, but let me see if I can bring you guys a sex pack this weekend.
1: Yeah, sneak it in your suitcase. That'll be fun. yeah, that'd be that'd amazing. Be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's it's yeah. So did you play? You did play the Cuckoo's Nest, I believe, right? Oh, Yeah, that was pro that was our first so it,
2: uh, official gig. I think at the Cuckoo's Nest.
1: Wow. So was was that as? I mean, the stories about the Cuckoo's Nest are completely legendary, right? So was was it as crazy as the stories? It was uh, uh, absolute, made absolutely absolutely that crazy.
2: It was. uh <laughs> A scene from before sundown, the kids would just gather in the parking lot to drink and smoke and do whatever. And, uh, you know, it was dicey enough just to survive without the cops being there before you got into the club. And then every night inside the club, it would be just as, as crazy as you imagine. Um, and then you get out in the parking lot and the whole thing would start again, you know, just be crazy. I mean, famously in the Vandal song, uh urban struggle there was a cowboy bar yeah right across the parking lot and you know just a recipe for for disaster disaster
1: yeah yeah Yeah. talk about a thing of legend yeah Yeah, for sure it's funny right
0: like because we never like growing up just a little later than that it's like you might still get called a faggot and get something thrown at you out of a car and somebody might scream at you but we didn't get beat up by the cops at least so i guess i gotta say it was a kinder gentler a kinder gentler era we grew up in slightly
1: well, like who's who? are you talking about? We, Tom. <laughs> I'm am as old as Mike. Well, yeah. yeah we I, talk,
2: we're asked about the big riots all the time because we were a part of that Mendiola's uh, ballroom riot, uh, exploited Channel Three Youth Brigade, uh, and it it never went off because the cops came in presence in riot gear. Well, they never. You guys never got to, to play. No, we didn't play that that night, but it turned into a riot, and it there were film crews just happened to be there for some reason and uh it was filmed but the violence was just so shocking back then because you know you'd see kids just turn around and just haul off and hit a cop and then Mm. he'd drop his shield and they'd just go toe-to-toe hitting each other and you know they would both go home at night you know satisfied they got a few licks in and there'd be no lawsuit. There'd be no, yeah. you know, YouTube video of it, and that's how it was back then.
0: If that happened today, um, some of those kids would get shot. Oh, you, you imagine? Cops to be fearing be, for their lives. Yeah, they're constantly but, fearing for their lives. They're very fearful people. But that that was
2: really a big part of a lot of the bands that were branching out or selling out, whatever. <laughs> is the shows got to be just ridiculously violent, and they seem to to one out of three would end up in a riot before you even got to load your gear in so it was really discouraging and i think that's what made a lot of the bands the the long timers branch out a little bit and say you know can
0: we can we try something else and actually play you know a lot of them start going like the americana style and all that yeah that yeah was, uh, hmm.
1: and then this so I'll tell you what. Let's let's play another yep. song. I'm gonna dial it forward, like to the twenty. I'm um, to the 2014. I think. Hey. Um, let's see, history. That was a single, I believe, right? Yeah, um,
2: hostage record was uh, very big on doing the singles, and I think we did that one for record store day of 2014. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we got all the. Singles together later, and we, we put it out on a uh, record called Home for Homeless on Hostage
1: Wonder yeah. Wonder Wonder Records. That's right, here, at least they like did this the vinyl. yeah. If that's correct, and
2: we did yeah. a digital download of <clears> the <throat> single on Hostage. But uh, this is one of the Hostage singles called History.
1: Okay, and what's this one about?
2: Uh, just uh, what is it, History? You're making me try to remember lyrics now of songs that I don't think we've ever played live.
1: <laughs> oh, you know, played it live. Oh, that's interesting.
2: Okay. Um, I, I'm sure it's just a, a song about uh, looking back as as we all do at this age.
1: Well, let's figure it out together. This is a uh, history from Channel 3 from 2014. Right, that was one of the newer ones from channel three that was the B- the b-side be playing it on friday <laughs> kicked
0: in the teeth neil
1: kicked in the teeth yes. is the b-side Interesting.
0: an old okay. acdc track is that right oh yeah there you go
1: cool so i'll tell you so, what Drew, should we leap into the future where we are right now neil or are you yeah sure i was gonna say i was gonna say that do you have anything any, any new recordings getting planned or what's what's going on in the future
2: uh, let's see here. The last thing we did was a, uh, a one-off track for a hostage compilation record. Uh, they, they decided to do like an old school compilation record, but that, that stuff was all the COVID just kind of shut down a lot of stuff and just kind of like put everything in the back burner. And that's really why Kim took charge and decided to get on with this 40, 40 box set. And so he did the curating with that. We did the remastering. Um, layout of the booklet. And that took a couple of years. And like I said, in that time is when I sat down, and I wrote my book and, uh, uh, I was a little surprised at the publishing, uh, uh, you know, method there, because I thought, you know, you write a book and then it comes out, but, uh, it, it's been done for close to two years now. And it's just mm-hmm. a lot of editing and sure. shopping and all that so i'm looking forward to that coming out in fall but um no new recordings of the work we're we're finishing up this uh, promo tour for the 40 we we do punk rock bowling festival and then uh that's coming 30. up
0: quick here that's only like three weeks away or a little more than three weeks away right yeah
2: we'll get to see the punk rock
0: museum for the first time ah, you guys, uh, a, you guys going out there we're not going this year unfortunately uh, but last time
1: yeah, we did. Yeah, we did it last time, and uh, I don't know. We just, I just, I, I thought it might be going to Rebellion this year, but now it looks like that might have fallen through too. Because my daughter's moving to San Diego the same, the same time, basically. So I'm gonna be helping to move her. So well, you can come
0: to that festival. I'm gonna in miss Maryland both. Stuff,
1: yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I'll I would do love to. It. It. It's, I mean, it's, it's actually I
0: mean. killing me a little bit inside not to be able to go to Punk Rock Bowling this year. But I just, I, agree. I got a lot going on I, this year, and I just, it just didn't work. So. I still, I still have a kid are, are in school, you, and it's, it's a real terrible time of the year to have to go on vacation.
2: Yeah, they, they, it's funny. They moved it to Memorial Day, you know, what, 10 years ago, and it's yeah. been such a world-class festival. But
0: yeah, it's when day. it
2: first started, um, it was in mid-January, and out in one of the— See that's great for casinos. us Midwesterners
0: who are freezing our balls off all January. Yeah. We're all about yeah, that would, be, that would be all right. Yeah. Well, what right. was
2: great? It was like right after the holidays, and you know those early punk rock bowlings, there'd be like you know ninety people there, and it was about the bowling. It was really yeah. just about the bowling, and you might series. have you might have the gimme give play in the the lounge of the casino, hmm. but then it's become such a festival that few people know that they actually do have a bowling tournaments. Yeah. Yeah so it's, uh,
0: it's a it's a no. lot of fun it's a lot it is a I, lot um the pool parties are great i mean every, everything about it's great i i have no i have no yeah the pool parties yeah no we and i'm sure we'll be back at some point um but you know like we took our wives and they like lounged by the pool for a few days and we mm-hmm. were so tired but but not that pool yeah different, different pool. not the hepatitis <laughs> pool where the punks are. <laughs> the rich, a, another pool and by the time it was done we, we were so exhausted from being out in the field in the 100 degree heat all day and they just had a nice vacation like we need a couple extra days like after or before to yeah. relax because I, once again I'm going to go home more beat up than I got here I swear Well, th- this year I mean I, I told my wife I was like
2: I guarantee to be there I'll be there Saturday and we're going to play the show and I might just leave but she's there from Thursday to Tuesday because she just you know She's a band <laughs> fanatic. She wants to see every band.
0: Oh, really? So oh, that's cool. Let's see, my wife couldn't care less about the band. She just <laughs> wants to lay by the pool. Did you? Um, well, we got you got sloppy seconds at a pool party this year too. So that's
2: yeah, awesome. Are, ah, those yeah, those are our, those are our
0: dudes. We're actually going to see yeah the CBA
2: here in a couple weeks. So oh, good. I I have plans to meet up with them on Saturday. Oh, that's cool.
0: Do you do you, yeah. have you guys do you guys played before? Do you know them?
2: Uh, we we know each other, but we've never played together. But uh you know when he comes out here we I go to see him and he goes to see us when we play but uh so he's going to go see home. Oh,
0: so he's going to see an indie okay yeah 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 that makes sense yeah yeah uh, um, uh, we're trying to
2: figure out a song to pull him up on stage to sing Oh with us, that'd be so.
0: that'd be great we're we, we're doing a um a couple weeks we're doing a Joy Ramone um birthday bash in uh, oh. in indiana and we got the queers coming in and the putts and we, it's gonna be a real cool lineup actually but ba is like our he's gonna be like our joe frazier at the casino he's gonna be like our celebrity guy that just hangs around oh and, uh, that's awesome signs autographs <laughs> and uh, so yeah we're gonna so yeah no is a great dude we've had him on a number of times and i'm kind of a sloppy seconds fanatic i've seen him like 20 plus times we we, we be, we're those fans who went to see him so much that we kind of became friends with him just on yeah air. i mean
2: of, uh, the greatest songs, though. I mean, I, I'm just a, yeah. a sucker for melody and those guys are the kings so.
0: and the and the funny lyrics where they seem kind of dumb, but yeah. they seem a little smarter every time you every time you listen to it. <laughs> so when you when you do your book, you're going to do like the thing where you everybody sits around in the chairs and you like very scholarly, like read a, excerpts of the book and do signatures and that kind of stuff. I guess you have to do
2: that kind of stuff, but I told yeah. the band, "It's like, you know, I hope to God that you guys would be up for doing a tour because oh, that'd be cool to that, do a gig. That way, I, yeah, you we can like we can do five songs. I can read a page and then we do five songs and do it like that, you know? <laughs> right? Well, either that or you, you know, like
0: <laughs> yes. three o'clock in the afternoon, you're at some bookstore in Chicago, and then you play liars club at night. Or uh, I think you could make that work. You could probably do it similar to the model you're doing now, honestly.
2: Yeah, you could fly uh, in a
0: little earlier, maybe.
2: Yeah, we uh, we're we're kind of taking the summer off to recharge our batteries. Um, we're going to Japan in October uh, uh, with the Avengers, so that's going to be just oh fantastic. Nice. So
1: how long? Oh, man, so how long? will be fantastic.
0: For a couple weeks or a week or
2: a month. Or? Uh, yeah, a couple weeks. So it'll be a couple a uh, uh, couple stretches of four shows and a couple days off, and then four more shows, and then uh, pretty much back. Um, it, it's have defensive. you guys been? To, have you guys been to Japan? I've been to Japan when my my family lived there. Um, I've went and visited, but the band yeah. has never been. So we we didn't know this far out if we had any recognition at all. And uh, you know, I shamelessly You're show crazy, my man. half Japanese. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, to, to get them. So the promoter said, "No, no, it's going to play. It's going to work." So uh, I'm going to spend this summer brushing up on my my uh, Nihongo so I can talk between songs a bit.
0: They have, cra- yeah, no, they have crazy fans in Japan. But it's just funny. If somebody would have told you when you were starting this band when you were eighteen years old, or said, "You're, you know, the band will tour Japan, but it's not going to be in for another forty years." Yeah, Isn't <laughs> it's that crazy. Just- <laughs> it, it, it really yeah, is. Yeah. But it's, but it's so great too because even though, you know, I, I mean, you've obviously we've been working some kind of a day job for these last forty years, but still, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still created some cool opportunities. You know, I, I kind of feel that way about the life. You know, it's like. You know, listen, Punk Rock might not pay the bills for most of us, but, man, the friendships and the connections and everything, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. cool, man. I think it's real cool, actually.
2: I mean, when we go out on tour, we, we break even at best. I mean, we never come home with a profit and all that. But yeah. I am just, like, just so thrilled to go. I, I tell people it's kind of like, a senior senior softball league or something, you know. It's like <laughs> the the old guys get to go out there, relive their glory days, and you know, travel, pretend they're a major league team, and then back to work on Monday. You know,
0: as long as they as long <laughs> as they groove it right down the middle, you're still pounding the ball, right? That's it, brother. <laughs> That's good.
1: Well, I'll tell you wow, what. baseball What All do we right. got? What do we got for songs left, Neil? I got one more left, well, actually, I, and uh,
0: you. I was going to say I don't want to cut you off if you got a couple more questions. I was going to say we should let him know where people can find his stuff. I mean, I assume they got a Facebook page and they got Instagram and TikTok and I don't know what they got, but maybe. I
1: well, I actually just had one more question, and it's a very generic question that that we that we ask ask a lot of old timers. Is you played with the Ramones, right? How were were those guys to uh, How were those guys to hang out with? or did Did you not really talk to them?
2: We absolutely played with the Ramones. We play the Ramones and we play with Cheap Trick, and so I can die a happy man.
1: Was that right? But, uh,
2: <laughs> the night we played the Ramones, it was kind of—it was a Monday night. It was kind of this show out in Riverside, and you know the Ramones as much as their their—you know—look back to, you know as you know mythical status now mm-hmm.
1: mythology yeah
2: yeah back then they would just tour constantly and yeah. they they'd come by your your town like on a monday night you're like oh ramon's playing and like eh, you know they'd be big clubs small clubs supporting yeah. somebody whatever and really we're that appreciated back then and i think this is about 84 it was just kind of a regular club show and all that so it, and are we uh, talking
0: a thousand people or are we talking less than that probably thousand people you know i mean just, all, i mean all was respectable but yeah yeah and uh, and, uh you know, the only interaction
2: we had with them is you know, we walked past and kinda stuck our head in their door uh, after sound check and they were actually eating pizza. We couldn't believe it. And uh <laughs> Close they were we said, hey, hey, what's going on guys? And their manager came over and slammed the door in our face and that was
0: it. Is that right? <laughs> oh jeez, Latin manager? I don't or? know. I wonder who that was. I don't oh. know. It, it is. It is funny. We do. We love the Ramones. And I and it's uh, we always love hearing people's interaction with the Ramones. But how many times, Neil, is the interaction not really that great? Like like we were, talking yeah, to, we we're talking to your buddy from the digits and he was so excited. He was just dying to meet Johnny Ramone. And the guy just treated him like a total piece of crap. So, you know what? Maybe you're better <laughs> off that the manager could take the gruff and you didn't have to deal with a deal with the crabby Ramones
1: yeah maybe but uh well anyway everyone's got a story though everyone who played with them yeah so and it's funny the cheap trick is still still going strong yeah but only right? two yeah, of the it's,
2: guys it's crazy um yeah i saw him just a few months ago and rick nielsen wasn't even there i guess he had some sort of heart scare or something the, like that just and, the singer and his the robin zander's son played guitar and just nailed it it's crazy so I'm like, oh, this is the way you keep a band going. You just bring your offspring into it and just kind of franchise
0: it out, eh? Well, I read this. I read this. That's long...
1: what. That's what the Who did, right?
0: <laughs> What's that, Neil?
1: Yeah, I said that's what the Who uh, did. They isn't isn't two, uh, Pete
0: being songwriters?
1: But yeah, it was Pete Townsend's son is. Uh is is playing something Well wasn't band, Ringo
0: really? Starr's kid was playing drums right yeah, oh, Ringo right. Stars, yeah Ringo Starr's
1: kid plays but, drums yeah you But know,
0: it yeah. is funny cuz I was reading this Rolling Stone article about is about bands like the Allman Brothers and and uh and Leonard Skinner specifically it was like these bands have no original members left but they just keep it going it's like a it's like a franchise you know like you could just I don't, and at that point, okay, that's cool. We'll go hear some Allen Brothers songs. Actually, it's not that cool to go see a bunch of Allen Brothers songs. But if you like that kind of thing, go see a bunch of Allen Brothers songs. But why are you, I wouldn't want to pay premium dollars if it's just a bunch of freaking kids, right? It's, it's a county fair. I don't
2: know. Well, I mean, how, how do you account for this tribute <laughs> Band phenomena? You know, I mean, well, years we kind ago, of talked people about it saying, earlier, right? What? They're, they're oh, like an God.
0: idealized version of, well, I remember when I was a kid, like the doors were kind of, Having a second wind. Like in the early nineties, you remember the doors had that second right, wind. So there right. was a bunch of doors tribute bands. And of course, you know, the, the Jim Morrison died about the time I was born. I never got to see him. But it is funny because like my wife loves Bon Jovi, right? I mean, yeah. don't don't hold it against her. She's a wonderful wife. <laughs> but she <laughs> loves Bon Jovi. Somebody has to install Bon Jovi right now she would be so disappointed what she really wants to go see is is like John Bovee, a loving tribute to the first four Bon Jovi albums you know what i mean sure. where there's a young guy in tight pants and the big hair who can sing the songs cuz John can't sing his own songs anymore and he's basically like a B-grade Bruce Springsteen now anyway so it's and and it's like Metallica too like you'd rather see a band playing like the first four Metallica records or than yeah. these freaking old guys who look like cops up there <laughs> well I,
2: I imagine any tribute band probably sounds better than the original nowadays I mean, they, they get to just sit there and study that original track and some guy okay. just says hey I, I happen to sound just like you yeah. know bon jovi so what are you gonna do there you
0: go so all right on a bon jovi note so okay so you got you guys got <laughs> facebook you do your social media or you got you got an intro for that kind of work I'm, I'm pretty much
2: the guy that uh, puts a picture up on Facebook and Instagram here and there. I'm not very good at it, but uh, my daughter tells me you have to do those type of things. So uh, we have a CH3 band on Facebook and uh, Channel 3, the words on Instagram.
1: So if people want to buy T-shirts and merch and maybe buy the records and stuff, where, where can they go to, to buy that? Uh,
2: we stuff? actually have the CH3 store at Big Cartel Media, which is a lot of bands use that. But uh, yep. you just go to Big Cartel, CH3, and we've got a, a store there. We sell vinyl, T-shirts, uh, what have you. And then, so of we, course, if we, you want to get a uh, get a record signed personally, come on out to Indianapolis or Chicago this weekend.
0: Yeah. so if, if we order those things are you walking out to the garage getting a box put it in the box put it in the mail or do you not handle that the,
2: kim and i do it hands-on
0: so there you go I can. yeah so it i was gonna say the so in chicago you got a, a great chicago like skate punk band called the fast plants opening and another band called lollygagger that i've never heard i don't know if you have you seen them neil
1: uh, the name sounds familiar man. but i can't but the I can't indianapolis
0: play show is fascinating actually because you guys are headlining over two tribute bands <laughs> is that funny yes <laughs> yes which is kind
2: of weird so that- so um we we usually call and say okay we're coming into chicago we're gonna play and then yeah. we always go backwards and say, okay where where should we fill in the weekend so it's either minneapolis we played green bay a lot we okay. haven't played milwaukee for decades huh? for some reason lyric room lyric room yeah, yeah. Um, and then our good friend Brooks from the band Destroy Everything, he said, "Why don't you guys play in Indianapolis?" I'm like, yeah, Park Rock Night.
0: I, it's a it's an institution. It's a great. Right. Nice and
2: scene. so I have I have never heard of it, and I got a hold of this guy. He said, "Oh, this is fantastic because we had the Green Day tribute band dropped out." So uh-huh. you guys are. I'm like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you brother,
0: the Green
2: Day band. I'm like, brother, you're right up our alley. He, he said, and he, he said, <laughs> you know what? This isn't really like tribute bands what this is is like the local indianapolis punks are kind of doing this as a goof on the high ticket price yeah high ticket prices of the in the blink 182 concerts you know so i'm like whatever we don't care so we we toyed with the idea of just learning a whole green day set and it's bizarre
0: bizarre because it's like the only show you're ever going to play where people know more songs by the quote unquote opening bands than they probably yeah. do
4: for the like, headliner, you know.
0: <laughs> actually, we I toyed with going to that show instead because I do love that that scene over there. It's a great scene. I think you guys will have a lot of fun over there. Actually, it's a real intimate place too. But they have a regular following and people show up and it's it's cool. It's a cool. Uh, Rich who runs the place is a good dude. So yeah, I think I think you'll have a good time over there.
2: Yeah, um, ever ever since I booked that show, we've been out on the road doing these things, and everyone, all these bands come up and say, "You're
0: playing the melody? This is going to be awesome, man!" So yeah. it's it's a well-known club. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> well, excellent, man. I'm gonna I, I'm looking forward to buying that double album from you, and I'll make you and Kim sign it. Not your scab not your yep. scab rhythm section. all, just you two. <laughs> ah, <Jesus laughs> no, maybe the bass player's that's been there a long now. time, right? He probably recorded some stuff. With they they both got tracks on the record, so no worries. Oh, dude, about. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. But no, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, no, I, I'm like I said, we'll uh, definitely stop by, and introduce ourselves, and and be standing yeah. in the front, drinking beers, and uh, you know, hooting and hollering, and doing that old man punk rock thing where we sort of stand around with our arms crossed and nod our heads. Stay away That's from it. the pit. well.
1: The place is so, the place is so small that you can't really stand at the bar and be out of the way. Basically, the bar is right by the stage. So, right. it's, well, listen, yeah, I don't like be, to walk. Close by to the the stage no I don't like to
0: walk far to the bar. If there's a
1: bathroom close by, that'd be great too you'll be you'll be set my friend you you'll be set um the the last song i want to play out with is one from um the last album that you guys put out actually which was called "Put 'Em up right from 2017 2018 something like that.
2: yeah that was the first the last full-length record we've done the ep since then but uh, that was the one
1: yeah you did that bellwether ep right? yeah but uh yeah. put them
2: the one that was on tko records and pressed by mark at cascade records
1: okay excellent and i am gonna play the song okay it's a song tom i know you like uh you like soul asylum um <laughs> i i was joking with mike yesterday that the song i'm gonna play is called not that it matters and it's basically the best the best song that soul asylum never, never <laughs> I, I love uh, that description
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's actually a very 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 catchy song it starts off like the dead boys and then you know and, and then changes a little bit but it's a great song dead Boys so what's that soul one what's that?
0: Boy, there's a mashup nobody knew they needed huh
1: well you do need this one i think you'll enjoy it so uh yeah we'll play out with that one um any any words about that one because that was a single as well mike i think right
2: uh that was our first preview from the new record and uh that was one that uh actually i I co-wrote with my old friend jay lansford again he he actually just got out out of the blue said hey it's time for you guys make a new record right and so uh so i've got a few sketches here and there we kind of went uh online and traded songs back and forth for a few months and then he flew over to LA and decided to produce us again. So it was kind of like a full circle thing. Oh.
1: Yeah. Cool.
2: That's excellent.
1: Yeah, That's a good song. So we'll, we'll play out with that one. Very good. Um, dude, thank you so, yeah, thank you so much you, for coming on pleasure. with us tonight.
2: Hey, thanks so, yeah. so much. I'm well, catching up with all your guys' episodes, and uh, you know, you guys have a great podcast. I'll be sure to spread the word and uh, be a pleasure to meet you guys in flesh. Yeah, on we'll see,
0: we'll see you in two days. Like I said, I don't know if our timing is great or terrible, but uh, <laughs> I think both these shows will have plenty of people. I don't think I don't think you need us to you know help people get to the shows. I think both shows are going to be great, and uh, yeah, we will definitely introduce ourselves. You can put a you can put a face to the voice, if you will. Very so, good. Yeah, for sure. So
1: yeah. Oh well, cheers, Mike. Um, Everybody, keep a little mark in your heart and uh, stay free. We'll smell you later. Smell you later. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Playing out with, uh, yeah, of course, no problem at all. Playing out with, not that it matters. From put up from 2016, which you should all buy. Okay, bye, bye, everybody.
3: Okay, that brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep a little mark in your heart and we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, ha, ha. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a
4: fucking rotter.